Hello, creeps. Welcome to the Horror Vanguard. I'll be your ghost. I mean host for today's exciting tale of terror. Army of the Dead. A movie designed to deal maximum psychic damage to the ghosts. I mean hosts of this show. Yeah. <laughs> Hello everyone, and welcome to a breaking news edition of Horror Vanguard. My name is Ash, one of your co-ghosts, joined as always by... Hey everybody, it's John. How are we doing today? Uh, we, we should be doing great, uh, because like manna from heaven, we were gifted with brand new emerging cinema content by a young and upcoming filmmaker named Zack Snyder. But no, today we're talking about uh, Dawn of the Army of the Darkness of the Dead, <laughs> Zack Snyder's new movie that just came out this week, um, and we, ha we had to, we have a lot of people asking us to do a Zack Snyder movie, and he finally, I mean, like this, I guess this is not his first horror movie, but he just did a horror movie, so here we are. Yeah, yeah, you know, there's been lots of people asking us to talk about, um, to talk about Zack, and oh boy, <laughs> oh I I this this was going to be a this 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 on paper this is supposed to be a nice quick easy episode for us to do. Um no. No. No, no, no. <laughs> where, not not in the slightest. Where would you like to start, my friend? Where would you like to begin? So so the movie the movie in question is the recently released Army of the Dead. Uh you know, starring Dave Batista is, is probably the highlight role and uh the the role that everyone's talking about is Tick Notaro, of course. The uh our, our basic plot here is we kind of like like we've grafted uh World War Z onto Oceans Eleven and then multiplied the runtime by like, I don't know, seven or ten digits. And now we have the movie that we have. Let's let's kind of let's kind of start with the premise because on paper, on oh, on paper this is great. This, <laughs> on, on paper, this movie absolutely owns. Uh, yes, and I think I think you and I both agree with a lot of the other critical response out there. Like there's there's an opening montage during the credits where we watch Las Vegas fall to zombies, right? And it's like the Las Vegas fake Elvis being taken down, and, and like showgirls turning into zombies, money flying everywhere. It's very it's it's kish it's vegas it's fun like that opening montage rules i uh, it's it's a shame that the remaining uh 2 hours and 20 minutes of the movie have nothing to do with it so so on paper we're dealing with a heist movie in the zombie apocalypse so world war z plus oceans 11 divided by james cameron's aliens that's that's what would come out of the other end of the equation and on paper i am 100% behind that um i think as people might be able to tell we we will maybe have some 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 helpful constructive feedback um but should we start with the things should we start with the positives yeah should we start with the things that we we like before we can get into the kind of before we get into the autopsy as it were yes um as as previously mentioned i enjoyed that opening credit sequence how about you uh i thought um uh, I thought it was generally pretty funny. I thought the action scenes were were, were fun. Um, I, uh, I, 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 that it's about that's about it. To be honest, 
I it's it's fine. Yeah. I, I I didn't I didn't really like any of that. I I like some of the con- some of the concepts in here are good, but the the execution is just yeah m- much much like the cinematography. We we're, we're focused on very confusing things, and things are often blurry and don't feel right. Uh, yes. Um, the the most immediate and most obvious thing that we're going to have to bring up is this is a great hour and a half movie. The da- the downside is that this is two and a half hours long. <laughs> yeah, I, I you know watching this, that was like the one big thing too, because I, I kept thinking to myself like, okay, like we can cut this whole forty minute chunk. Like this this doesn't need to happen. This this plot's going nowhere. And like. One of the really striking things for me is that, like, so so heist movies are ensemble casts, right? You've got your central protagonist who who doesn't have a gimmick. They're usually just like a normal a normal person, but uh, albeit a super criminal who has to like steal something. Yeah, they're our point. They're our point of view character, and it's through them we get to know everybody else. And then you have the ensemble of kind of ridiculous characters, right? You know, you get your hacker expert, your demolition guy, you know, your your assassin or whatever. You get you get your like your your palette that they have to pull off the heist with. And in this and in this we have that, right? We have Dave Batista, who's our like he he's he's playing our focal point character. He he's a dad, he's down on his luck, you know, he's he's very relatable. Um and then we have we have uh Dieter, the 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 quirky German hacker. Um and then we have uh a, literally everyone else is just a hitman. Yeah, yeah. Like, uh, that's it. All, all of the other people are just hitmen. I, I guess, like, there's one, there, there's one, like, like, ex-military agent who's, like, a, uh, like a, like a zombie coyote, right? Like, she can guide them through the zombie wasteland. And then there's another one who has, like, a big saw, and I guess he's supposed to be a demolition guy. Yeah, that's, his, his, his entire character is, he's got a big saw. <laughs> And hey, so you know he, he's he, this is the, uh, he's this movie's equivalent of your friend who owns a truck when it's time to move. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, and I don't hang on. I'm just I'm just thinking out loud here. I think he uses the saw once. Right? Uh, the saw is utilized in the opening montage that I really enjoyed. Yeah, but that's it, right? <laughs> well, it's it's used it's used by another character. Yeah, this is later pre- this in the is movie. precisely my point because they even they even make a big thing of um, Dita being. One of them, one of the other people, is told off like, "Don't, don't, don't ever touch my saw again." You're like, "Oh, okay, we've got a strong personal connection." And it's, it's just, oh, there we go. Some characterizing detail that we will never pick up on and follow through with. It's yes, fine. That we're just gonna, it's dead to us now. We're moving on. But no, like, like, so there's, there's already like our, our heist crew is like. Somewhere, it, honestly, like I, I could not be bothered to actually remember all these characters, but like. We have somewhere between seven and 14 characters in this heist and only three of them are different characters, you know? And like, you know, Tignataro's interesting, but I think that what they attempted to do with Tignataro, and I guess we can get into that now, like, I think it kind of flopped. And this, and this, I guess I just want to be clear, like, I don't think that this is a Tignataro problem. I think that you know, like I, I like I like Nataro's stand-up comedy, right? Like I think that stuff is really funny, um, or at least a good part of it. And like in this role, like I think Tig Nataro could have been great, but like she was green screened in and only had one person to act with. All of her shots were were CGI alters done in post to get Cristelia out of the movie. 
So, shrug? <laughs> yeah, I mean, um, like, like stra- straight up, I think Tignataro is great. And put put Tignataro in, in everything. But whatever you do, don't don't do it like this. I, I can't imagine how grim that shoot was. Um, you can watch the behind the scenes stuff and it's just so surreal. It's just all green screen, no one to act with, like... It's just, like, sad. I get why they did it. I like why they did it, right? I think there's, like, there was, like, a, I think it's, like, a reductress article or something, but it was, like, something like, you know, like, replace every horrible man with Tig Notaro using CGI or something, and I was like, ah, yeah, you know, let's do that. Um, but, yeah, I, 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 I don't know how I, I don't know how I feel about that, um, because I, I agree, I think that the causes this time uh, are, are good, and I think it's, uh, you know, they didn't want to do expensive reshoots, but I'm sort of like, uh, we're, we're, we're going to get to the point where really you won't need actors, right? You'll just need the eyeline models. You'll just need the, you'll just need the, <laughs> the ping pong balls on the end of sticks so you can maintain eyelines, and uh, you can just do it, you can just CGI it all, it's fine. Everybody just acts from their little like home studio, and it's just like a YouTuber session now. Yeah, um, but no, like I think in, in the part of this, the part of this that really kills the movie for me is that like Tignataro was the only interesting character in this movie. Like I really liked the like, you know, like we we, we get that with the cl- the classic scene from a heist movie where our protagonist is going up to to all the people that they they have to recruit, and they're like, I've got this dangerous job you want in. And then, you know, Tignataro kind of like inverts that and she's just like, oh, yeah, I'll do it. Sure. Oh, yeah, I hate my it. life. I'm, I need money. I'm, fine. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm really I'm, I'm so bored. The prospect of dying is enough for me to take this. <laughs> and that, that was that was that was like that was so refreshing because I was like, oh, like that's a we're playing with the tropes here. We're having some fun in this ridiculous campy or what should have been a ridiculous campy over the top fun movie. Tignatar was the only person who was playing with that, right? Everybody else is just like, everything just feels like so weighted and muddy and sad and blurry and like, every like this movie made me tired. Yeah, uh, I mean, I, 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 I maybe found it less less difficult to watch than you because, to me, I, I, I did find that there are nine million subplots that don't go anywhere. There's, there's a lot that's like needlessly grim. Um, but like what I think you're completely right. What would really leavened this would be like just a dose of self-awareness and irony. Cause the thing, the thing that strikes me is that like in the emotional beats of how he constructs the story, Snyder is like achingly, like painfully mawkishly sincere you know, it's like, oh, he's just a down on his look dad who's trying to get his kid back and go straight. And it's like, come on, you're trying to put that story in in the same story as a team of ass kicking private military contractors who are doing a bank robbery surrounded by zombies. These two things do not gel together. And like, and, and so one of the other characters that I thought was was really interesting was um. Oh my god, was it? Hang on, I have to look this up really quick. Oh my god, I see. I can't remember any of the fucking characters' names from this because they're all the same. 
they're all the same fucking character and it's just like uh so mikey mikey guzman yes um, yeah 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 like like that that character played by raul castillo like i thought that that character was like like I, I want a movie where it's just like Tignataro's completely flippant and aloof like helicopter mechanic and Mikey Guzman's like zoomer mayhem like <laughs> twitch zombie murdering all-star. I want them to go on an adventure together because that was like his character was exciting and refreshing and like the only bit there's like one bit of pathos in this movie. Right. And that's like so so Mikey Mikey Guzman brings some of his like Twitch buddies with him to the zombie expedition. Yeah, his his and, top and subscribers like, get to come with yeah, him. Yeah. <laughs> it's a Patreon perk that they unlocked. But like they're all they're all completely besides him, they're all completely green, right? And like one one of them like backs out at the last minute because he gets afraid, of course. And then like, you know, like one of one of his other friends dies and he has to watch that. And he's like so conflicted. And like it's the only moment in the movie. There were two moments in the movie where I felt uh, human emotions. And it was that scene. And then the scene where King Zombie uh, 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 realizes that his now uh, extra deceased zombie wife uh, was with child. Uh, and in that moment, I was like, oh, man, this poor zombie family, you know, like. Those are the two moments that I uh, I reconnected with the human condition during a two and a half hour movie. I I I I I have to be honest. I didn't. I did not get two out of it. I this this is not a movie that has kind of any emotional seriousness to it because it doesn't have like to handle something and to 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 make an audience kind of feel something requires a a kind of like intelligent approach to storytelling and framing um uh, which this does not have at all ever so like all of these emotional beats that like the story is desperately trying to get you to to feel were just really funny to me um, and and both of those both of those for me had so little to do with what was actually happening in the moving movie and so much more to do with like raw castillo acts that scene Really, in a, in a way that's really genuine. Like I believed that he was like a zoomer who was in who got in too deep. Yeah, no, you know, I, like I a TikTok agree. star who like who like fucked up. And then like uh, so so uh, Richard Citrone who plays Zeus, who's King Zombie. Like in, in that scene where he's got his like dead zombie queen bride, extra dead. I don't really know what, what, what do we say for zombies when they die, double dead or whatever. But like, so he's got he, he's got her in like. Maybe this was a lighting thing or like an, a, a makeup effect gone wrong, but like a single zombie tear rolled down his cheek in one of those scenes. And like that, that right there on, on these actors and on the special effects people and like everybody who put this stuff together, fantastic work. Uh, Claps all around for that. Like there, there are gems hidden in this movie. Like I think, I think you can chop this aggressively chop this fucking movie down into a 75 minute zombie heist movie you know like get, get rid of the weird beheading subplot get rid of the like uh, uh alpha zombies thing and, and really quickly I, I like i'm sorry to do this again but i have to do this in like every single episode where we talk about horror monsters where it's like the alpha's coming to get us uh the alpha thing is fake it's a myth uh, so this guy, David L. Uh, Mech, in 1970, wrote a book called The Wolf, right, where he posited the existence of alpha male wolves, right? As it turns out, 20 years, 30 years later, actually, because it was 1999, he realizes that he's completely wrong 
that he was studying captive wolf populations, which are unnatural, and so they do unnatural stuff. And it was based on an outdated theory that wolves only form packs in the winter, and they're formed based on uh, uh, physical dominance hierarchies. As it turns out, wolf packs in the wild are like mom and dad wolf, and then you know two to three generations of wolf kids. Uh, so again, we revisit the situation where we have uh, Zack Snyder, who's a guy who's into Ayn Rand, right? He's he's in he's into this kind of like mentality and it creeps in it creeps into the movie in a bunch of places where it's just like come on okay so there's there's two there's two things i think we should talk about here which is the kind of what in my opinion there are two kinds of confusion happening or or two kinds of kind of bloat as it were you know we have a tonal confusion and i think there's much bigger kind of discursive and political confusion uh, I think this is basically going to become Libertarian's favorite zombie movie, and I will explain why in due course. But first, tonally, I think you're completely right that this could have this could have been a um, a a tight eighty to ninety minute big dumb action movie, uh, and I would have been all over that. Um, I I I think you could have done that really easily. Or you can do like a big, broad canvas, end of the world, serious thriller, focusing in on your handful of characters struggling to survive against an ever-changing threat. Kind of like you could dial up the the echoes and resonances of something like Richard Matheson's I Am Legend and really kind of run with it. You can't do both. <laughs> uh, and that's what this film tries to do. So you get like moments, you get like fun reveals, fun moments of payoff, but as a whole, as a kind of cohesive work of art, it's a complete mess. Yes. <laughs> I just think it's so it's so indulgent. You know, like like while I was watching it, because there's just so much downtime in this movie, and it's bad to think that there's downtime in your movie. Like, I felt like I was clocked in at the watching this movie factory and, like, I was just waiting for my shift to end through some of these scenes. And it's just, like, it, it just feels like it's such an indulgent movie. It is just so much that could have been cut. Some scenes just go on forever. Some plots just never lead anywhere. Yeah. I, ugh. I mean, uh, let's I mean, talk about politics. <laughs> I need I need something lighthearted to feel refreshed and and joyous for. Let's talk about uh, uh, libertarian ideology. Okay, so like his, it's like end end of the world is basically your chance to sort of do a big cultural reset, right? And so there are there are moments at the opening of the film where there's there are basically internment centers now around the edges of Las Vegas, and people. Uh, you know, there's a kind of insert of like a news clip where somebody is talking about the fact that, you know, if you're a person of color, if you're not white, if you're gay, if you're undocumented, you end up in one of these places. And I'm like, OK, so we're we're, we're, we're kind of trying to make a point about a sort of author, uh, an authoritarianism and enroaching. And then I was like, there is the moment that kind of there are two moments that really clicked for me that 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 was all going to get forgotten about which is when they get into the, the, the blast zone, as it were, they go, you're not in America anymore. Because somebody says, oh, it's the land of the free. And they go, well, you're not in America anymore. Uh, and they go, well, 
I guess that means we're even freer. Uh, and it's like, this is the libertarian idea of what the end of the world will be, right? The nation state will have collapsed and the people who will be free will be the people with the most guns and ammunition. And what are they What are they doing? They're going to try and rescue. It's a rescue mission. But what are we rescuing? Money. The scene where they open the vault had me howling because it's it's like the the orchestral music swells and it's this big emotional moment of catharsis. it's erotic but it's just these it's just these like it's just these private military contractors like feverishly running their hands through dollar bills it's disgusting yeah like like and, and like these are these are like this is so individualistic in the weirdest way too because like None of the emotional connections between any of our our, our cast are, are like the the the, mo- the most believable emotional connection between people that we get is is the zombie king Zeus and his zombie queen bride. <laughs> yeah, and they yeah. just kind of scream the entire movie and howl at each other. Yeah, you know, you like have... and that's the most humanity we get. You can't have individual connection, right? Uh, someone goes missing inside the um, inside uh, the city because they need to get money to pay so they can get their kids out of the containment zone, and all of our main characters are like, "Uh, idiots! Uh, what? Here's some advice: stop being poor. Why don't you just bootstrap your way out of these places? Why don't you bootstrap your way out of the fascist internment camp?" Uh, and it's it's I I don't. I don't think Snyder is a, a reactionary. I think that's that's a massive overreaction and not a, and based on not a terribly good reading of the films. I think he's obsessed with this idea of great man libertarianism, which means he's like unthinkingly, unthinkingly reactionary, which in a way is kind of worse. <laughs> yeah, it's hard. It's hard to split the hair on this one, and like. The political commentary in here, I think, is 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 really interesting, right? Because we we just finished our like grand Resident Evil retrospective until a few months from now when new Resident Evil movies come out and you and I must once again return to Raccoon City and fight the good fight. But this movie, I felt, is spiritually in that zone because this is also politically incoherent. You know, we have we have we have the Donald Trump joke, right? Where, you know, like the newscasters reading the president's quote and they're like. The president said, uh, wouldn't it be totally awesome if I nuked a city on the 4th of July? Because isn't that just like the biggest firework or something like that? And like, OK, so we, we have our Trump joke and then like they build a wall around Las Vegas. And then we have the like COVID temperature head scanner things. And we have like the government sends you to a camp if they don't like you. And and it's it's incoherent because you can you can read this from a libertarian perspective completely successfully. Right. And be like, oh, like that's that's the government doing that. We need to privatize everything and deregulate because our heroes are privatized military force going to rescue the money. And and you can also read that from like a, another perspective where it's like, oh, no, like this is just what what, you know, capitalism and decay does. This is just the government collapsing. This is just like the final like, of course, if if, you know, like the greatest one of the greatest tourist destinations ever conceived were to collapse the first or one of the last things people would do would be fight for every like fake little dollar in a vault left. Yeah, totally. But like what what I think makes me lean towards that libertarian reading is that the film basically, as with 99% of its subplots, basically forgets about all of that political stuff. 
uh, for, yes. for the vast majority of the movie. So what you have is you have characterized characters who are valorizing this freedom. How does freedom come? It comes from individual agency and it comes from weaponry. And freedom is exercised in the pursuit of capital. It is it is anarcho-capitalism, like, par excellence. It's <laughs> like, what, what, what will the American empire look like in its terminal decay? It will look exactly like this, you know, because state will have s- s- stopped really functioning beyond its repressive disciplinary functions, um, which are military and judicial and legal. And really... Uh, it it's a pirate future, right? They're, they're pirates. They're there to kind of steal the gold and get away. Uh, our one survivor at the end literally just buys a plane and, and flies to Mexico City. Um, so it's like, this is... This is... This, this is the future libertarians want. <laughs> <laughs> and so, like... So, so I think, I, I think going back to our, like, cutting this movie up thing, I think we have, like... There are three. There are three really good movies in this one. There's the heist movie we've been talking about, right? Where it's like uh, fun and just really gory. So some of the stuff in here that really worked for me is when the like when the zombie gets smashed by the like closing security wall. Yeah, great, great bit. Love that. Hilarious, amazing. Like I, I wish that the movie would have embraced that. And like I'm sure it was like a Netflix thing that they really couldn't have gone there, you know. But I would have loved it if the gore was dialed up to 11 and it just kind of embraced the silliness. But then you get this other movie in here where it's like Kate Ward's character played by Ella Purnell, who like, you know, she has to go into the zombie zone to save the people who were trying to smuggle their kids out of the internment camp. And like, like, like that would have that story right there, right? Like you you do that carefully enough and you have a zombie film that like. Could could win some serious awards. Has massive cultural pathos. Is deeply interesting. But like, of course, like this movie's trying to jam those together. So like, you know, like Kate Ward's subplot just keeps getting lost. And then you have a short thirty-minute avant-garde film about a zombie king named Zeus and and his wild and unintelligible romance with a zombie queen. Uh, yes. <laughs> Which there's there's the cuts. Uh, I I actually really agree with you. But but otherwise, what you get is you get this kind of mawkishly sentimental dad movie. Uh, that's yeah. it's so bloated, it's so baggy. Um, like uh, there's a there's a bit of me there's a bit of me that's like you know what? Hey, I admire the ambition, but ambition has to be married to a kind of like artistic and technical discipline to make it work. You know, there's that that you can't you if you if you're gonna go big, you also have to be exceptionally good, um, and and that is that is not. I I'm just remembering bits from the, this film where it's like, oh, they really did that. Um, yeah, the the zombie the zombie pregnancy, the zombie tiger that used to be owned by Siegfried and Roy, and it's like. Oh my god! How many more things can you cram into this overstuffed and ravioli of a film? I, I think I think this is like what Zack Snyder likes to do as a filmmaker, though, like because he wants to be epic and not epic in like the Reddit sense, but epic in like Zack Zack Snyder wants to be the Homerian legacy of cinema, right? He wants to do the Bhagavad Gita for movies, right? He wants to have these epic, sprawling fantasy sci-fi adventures with heroes and and great myths and legend and like but (laughs) 
<laughs> he doesn't he doesn't know when to stop you know so he, he can never get there like there's so much in this movie that's just like yeah it's just it's just bloat it's unnecessary it's repetitive it's unfinished you know and like it's just ah i think this is i think this is the thing that uh, is actually most frustrating for us because both of us have said repeatedly that there is a hypothetical movie here that we would both be absolutely raving about. You know, that's that's the thing that's really frustrating because if a film is just bad, you know, we we love bad movies because you can have fun with that. But mm-hmm. if but if you can see all of the ways in which a film could have been great but was hampered by very obvious artistic choices in the production and making and writing of the film that's like so infinitely more frustrating um yes like i i sort of realized almost immediately the kind of tonal problem that we were going to have which is in the pre-credit sequence so the pre-credit sequence is very serious military like it's very it's very sort of like that muted gray color palette lots of guys in fatigues armored trucks carrying a mysterious Mm -hmm. payload building up some tension and then what literally crashes into them is like a a comedy newly married couple it is a guy getting roadhead causes the zombie apocalypse that causes the zombie apocalypse and you you literally see these two movies explode into each other, and then we have mm-hmm. to sit through the rest of the wreckage. And and, and committing, if, if you would have committed to that, if you would have committed to the logical conclusion of like like Alpha Bravo, the package is en route over, like with like a guy getting roadhead and then he blows up his car on accident. Like if you would have committed to just like the the almost Zizekian combination of of the real and the fantasy that that would yield i i think that i would have just devoured all seven and a half days that this movie would have lasted you know it it would have it would have sandblasted my mind clean and ascended me into a new realm but it doesn't commit It, it it just doesn't it just can't decide what kind of a movie it wants to be you know is this a serious movie is this a farce is this a heist movie like it doesn't we have like too much of everything here. It's just like, it's so frustratingly overstuffed. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, so what did you think of the score? Or rather the soundtrack more specifically. I don't have any, I don't have any thoughts about the score, but like. Um, this, this is, this is what I mean when I say that like. Loathsome. Uh, uh, I'm not going to go that far again. It's like, he's, it, Snyder, because like he wrote this, he directed it. This is this is his movie, right? This is his baby. That Netflix gave him a literal mountain of cash and let him make whatever he wanted. So I'm like, uh, it's just so like painfully on the nose all the time. There is no, there's no lightness, there's no restraint, there's no a nuance, there's no kind of interest in variation. Uh, like the use of zombie and it's just like oh a fucking course what like, <laughs> like oh, uh, oh we need a song to go here um oh well what's the movie about guys <laughs> zombies uh how about uh oh, zombies by the cranberries let's, let's put that in there I just, mission complete 
I just I just laughed when I heard it because I was like, it's so that's so perfectly fitting for exactly the kind of film this is. And that choice to use that song at that time tells you everything about what kind of movie this is. Yes, it had Suicide Squad vibes, which are not the vibes you want to have in your movie. <laughs> but like and, and even even like the, the ending, too, I think is like it's like a false flag operation of an ending. Right. Like because you have so, so uh, spoil hashtag spoiler alert. Uh, Dave Batista gets bitten by a zombie and his daughter has to shoot him in the head. Um, uh, his, him would, and his that daughter. Been, that would have been a great cut to black moment. <laughs> and that, that would have completed the like film student vibe. Yeah. But like uh, so so their big falling out was because Dave Batista during the zombie uprising had to uh, shoot his his wife who had been bitten and and that caused a huge rift between him and his daughter so so it's a incredibly tragic and deeply messed up rounding of her character arc and her relationship with her dad um and and then it and then he he before that happens he gives her like a, a fistful of gabillion dollar bills so she can go save the world yes yeah, a magic with fun money. time bucks <laughs> yeah so, so a, a magic wad of money that will go and resolve all problems because that's all you need is a magic wad of money yeah absolutely and like and then and then that stops you know because actually resolving her character arc which would be her going to the new internment camp where the kids are being held prisoner and trying to buy their freedom, that is an incredibly difficult story to tell. And that's beyond that's that, that's that's a weight that this, uh, you know, movie can't lift. So so then we just we just cut to like um, so Vanderhoe played by Omari Hardwick. Right. He, he's the guy that we mentioned earlier who has a big saw. And his character is he's a guy who has a big saw. Um, there, there is some character development between him and Dieter becoming friends. Mm-hmm. By the end of the movie and understanding each other because they're both kind of like philosophical and poetic and misunderstood. So they connect with each other. But even that, like that needed more breathing room. They need they needed to let that friendship blossom a little bit. But I really liked that stuff. Like I, f- I felt that that stuff could have been really cool. So I'll add, I'll add a third human moment that I liked. But a- anyway, like he he somehow like survives a nuclear bomb being dropped on Las Vegas. And, and like he gets out in the irradiated ruins and is fine. Um, which is like, okay, like that fits in the over the top zombie Ocean's Eleven movie. Um, and then he buys a private jet, flies to Mexico City, and I guess becomes new zombie king. You know, we have a cliffhanger ending where he, he was bitten by a zombie. So he's, he's off to go spread the zombie plague and set us up for the sequel, which hasn't been greenlit yet, but we, we are walking into a world that has a prequel movie and a prequel anime show. So get rid of a, get ready for a lot of Zack Snyder zombie content. Uh, yeah, it's that 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 prequel is coming like a train. That prequel is falling on us like a CGI shipping container falling <laughs> on an unsuspecting uh, person and child and ten or twelve zombies. Um, but like gen gen genuinely, I I can't be too mad at it. Mostly because I think this that would involve kind of taking this film very seriously. I can't I, like. I can't sort of summon up the anger, like all of all of the bits, uh, which were so obviously supposed to be like moments of like real tenderness and played very straight, very seriously, just made me laugh. I'm on the other side of that, you know, like the, the, this the, this movie got like all the money it could have ever dreamed of, you know, like like Zack Snyder was left unchained in this two and a half hour 
meltdown of of contemporary American ideology and cinema like like cinema language. Like, how many people are going to watch this? How many people are going to learn something from this? Like, this is. I, I am eating from the trash can right now and getting food poisoning, you know? Like, like I have to take this seriously. Um, and it's just like... Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, the scariest thing in this zombie movie was the fact that I'll never know how many Netflix plays it got. <laughs> um, do you, do you want to talk about... Do you want to talk about the actual filmmaking then? Because we've kind of touched on this a little bit with... Tignataro, it's a good place to end it, yeah. Tignataro being like... Uh, CG'd in, which yeah, uh, is a bit of a mixed bag at best, to put it mildly. But let's let's talk about the other thing that loads of people have have noticed, which is what do we focus our camera on? <laughs> so actually, I re- I really respect this because Zack Snyder bought his filming equipment off of eBay for this movie, and you know, like I just you know I, I gotta respect it because I also buy all of my uh, uh, filming and recording equipment off of eBay, so. So uh, there, there we go. I have one thing in common with a major Hollywood director. So hire me. So Snyder has got these ninety. I think they're nineteen fifties vintage lenses, which he clearly loves and must have spent absolutely bonkers money on. I I I can't imagine how much money these cost. I I don't, I don't know specifically what what he's got, but I know he spent absolutely bonkers money having them converted into like cinema lenses, which are different than what he bought on eBay. Uh, again, this is the thing. It's like he's very clearly trying to do something. You know, he's not just like going through the motions. Uh, it's just that what he's trying to do is confusing and messy, and would have been better if more people had told him no. Um, but these lens, yes. these lenses, and these cameras give a, a kind of very woozy, soft focus, and it's it's a shot that's used over and over again. It's like this kind of tight uh, close up on on the face of a character, yes, with a, with, a, with a like a very shallow depth of field, extremely claustrophobically shallow, uh, and and it's it's just so weird and and distracting. And my weird take on this is I kind of appreciate this part of the movie because we're trying something weird here, you know? And, like, we could also talk about, like, the the fact that the cameras that he shot this on were technically broken and, like, a bunch of other, like, goofy stuff that he just kind of powered through while making it. And, like, he said in the interviews that, like, he kind of embraced the fact that it was going to be an imperfect final product. And all of that stuff I can kind of – I could get behind – if we just edited this behemoth down by half, like if we committed to some trajectories and storylines in here and it not just be like this big, like soft focus, it's like I'm eating a soup and I can't figure out if it's like, like a, a minestrone or a tomato or a mushroom cream or a chicken. Like it's a soup that is ambiguous yeah. about all of its qualities. And I just described, I think the most disgusting possible soup. Uh, yeah, I, 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 I couldn't agree more. It's I am already it, eating from the soup can. The from time. the soup can of ideology. There is one more thing that I wanted to talk about before we wrap up, which is uh the I Am Legend subplot of the 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 new the new uh the new kind of being that emerges in, in Las Vegas with the uh the, the great love for the ages uh between 
the decapitated head of a zombie queen and a zombie in a cape <laughs> which that's one of Zeus my, our buddy Zeus that's one of my favorite lines is Tignataro just going was that zombie wearing a cape <laughs> oh I love that <laughs> which, it, to Tignat- okay so like a, a thing I really did like about this were Tignataro's one-liners that that dry deadpan delivery contrasts so well with with what this movie was going for and I just think it's like that stuff's like pretty funny so what did you think about this this kind of plot of uh, alpha zombies and zombies who who are trying to make a new race of zombies by abducting non zombie women and then turning them into essentially like Mad Max style breeding slaves. Yeah, that's like that's like a part of the movie that actually did get cut. <laughs> Zack Snyder 100% had that in the original draft of the movie, but it did not make it. Thank God to what we watched. Um, I, I think I think a lot of things about this and more things than, than we have time for. So I'm going to just kind of shotgun through a bunch of them. And the first is that like like many monsters, the plight of the zombie is to be more human than humanity can accept. You know, it, it's to have your humanity bare and amplified in certain ways. And I think that part of the problem with zombie movies, and this has been since George Romero reinvented the concept of the zombie with Night of the Living Dead, right? You know, we have we have that absolutely just just shaking se- final sequence in Night of the Living Dead, right? Where, where our protagonist, who is a black man, gets shot by white men, you know, who just assume he's a zombie. Yeah. Right? Like, it just just, you know incredibly powerful and in the part of the question being asked there right is, is questions about the boundary of humanity you know and and that's been one of the most powerful things that the zombie as a form the zombie form can can prod at you know and like this this movie wants to have that conversation it wants to go like okay well like you know it, it, sure it's all well and good to kill the mindless shambling horde of living corpses but what about these other guys these ones that can think and feel and cry, like, what about them now? But it doesn't, but then it, it like, it posits the question, but then doesn't, doesn't explore it and doesn't think about it at all. Uh, which I find to be incredibly troubling because it creates a sentient human other. And then it's like, no, nah, we can just exterminate them for funsies. Who cares? It's, it's $5 million. I don't care anymore. Yeah, like, it, that's exactly. Troubling. Exactly. That's troubling to me. There's, there's like, the thing that's missing, right? The thing that's missing from this is um, that there needs to be a kind of moment of hesitation, right? There needs to be a moment of recognition of of not just uh, Ze- like between Zeus and Dave Batista. Uh, there needs I, I refuse to learn his character's name. Um, <laughs> there needs to be a moment of recognition, not of each other just as threats, but as kind of like persons, right? You don't just see them as an enemy. The whole point, what makes a what makes an enemy relationship uh, have some pathos is the fact that you recognize there's a kind of mutual recognition. Sorry to be too Hegelian, but there you go. Uh, no, this, no, I, I, this I like this. movie is not Hegelian enough. Is not the criticism people were expecting. But that's what you need, right? You need the moment where you recognize what the other is and what that other is in relation to you. The end of I Am Legend by Richard Matheson does this, right? The, even, yeah. even the Will Smith movie did this, where he realizes that actually he's not just 
a kind of enemy or a monster, but there's a there's a kind of subjectivity there. But instead, what we get is we get the comedy watermelon splat noise when mm-hmm. the the double dead zombie queen's dis- disembodied head hits the ground from the top of the casino. That's what we get. Yeah. Instead of like a, just a mo- just it would have just been a moment, and it would have actually grounded this in something other than like oh yeah we think they've probably got a degree of sentience but let's let's do a genocide yeah and so like there's uh uh nora arnezader nora nora arnezader plays plays lily right she's like the the zombie scout right she she smuggles people through zombie las vegas so she knows the zombies and how they how they operate Right. And so when they go in there, they go in there with um, so there's, there's a character named Burt Cummings and he's like a security guard slash rapist who works at the camp. And like the first thing they do after they get inside is she shoots him in the leg, ties him up and like sacrifices him to the sentient alpha zombies. And she's like, hey, this is just how it works here. Like I bought us passage. Nobody liked that guy. Uh, he had it coming. Um, and he, by the way, he's played by, uh, Theo, Theo Rossi. And I think Theo Rossi is just like, Theo Rossi ever listens to this. Uh, I mean, this as a compliment, but, uh, you play an amazing scumbag. Oh yeah. Um, Yeah. Straight up. So hats off. Like, like every time, every time Rossi plays like a, a creepy dude, I just like, wow, this is creepy. This is so good. Um, but yeah, his his acting in this was also phenomenal, but like there's a little bit of that there with Lily's character, right? A little bit of that, like. Yeah, we're 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 two in, we're two cultures encountering each other for the first time. You know, we're trying to bridge this gap and understand each other, and and we get that the one line from her that I really liked is like, hey, like I just bought us passage, but we're not about to walk down Main Street and flaunt it. You know, we have to sneak through these hidden paths. Yeah, that is a, that is a, that is a setup. That's a setup, and just just as with ninety percent of the other setups, there is never a payoff. So you get the kind of like. Uh, but we did that bit, so now we can murder them with impunity. And I'm sort of like, that isn't that isn't how storytelling structure works. You you set up a character conflict. Where is the oh. or or you commit you 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 commit to the horrifying nature of reality, and that's that a lot of things that get set up never pay off, and that is terrifying. But that is like maybe a bit much to ask from the 17 hour superhero movie guy yeah and also and also it's like that's not what you go to a, like you can do that in film obviously but that's like a that's like a three hour art house movie uh, oh no that, that's that's 100 <laughs> what i go to when i watch just like a junky zombie action flick yeah totally um, yeah but that's me <laughs> So, so there, there is there is plenty of there there is plenty of um, setup. There are just there are just no payoff. There's very very little by way of payoff. I think this brings us to about the end of our discussion. Uh, we wanted this to be a mini episode, but like we we barely even scratched a lot of the political issues here. Like this movie is. Oh, we we could have done like an hour and a half in the politics of this movie. Easy. Watch it. Watch this movie on like three times speed with the subtitles on and then just pause it to read the political commentary every now and then, and then you'll get the, you'll, you'll get the hang of it. But I think like ultimately what we're dealing with here is just like an indulgent meandering sloppy mess. And, and unfortunately like 
there's there's some good stuff in here, right? That that isn't either isn't properly utilized, like like the interesting lens selection choice, right? Which could have been really exciting and refreshing, but it's kind of sloppily used, or like it, you know inserting Tignataro's character in CG, right? That could have been really exciting, and here it's just kind of like sloppily used again not on Tignataro's performance just on like the overall packaging of the film but I think like this is this is uh, a, a, a bunch of junk <laughs> um yeah and and here's the thing like Snyder attracts a lot of discourse like there are there are very passionate Snyder fans you know, people like, here's, here's someone with a bold cinematic vision. And I watch this and I'm like, really? <laughs> like this, this is the person who's reinventing contemporary American popular cinema? This? Please no. <laughs> oh, perfect. Perfect. Well, thank you for joining us for another full length mini episode. We will continue the proud tradition of attempting to record a half hour episode, but failing entirely in due course. St- stay spooky, I guess. Oh, what a, what a, that was fun, man. What fun. Thanks for tuning in, creeps. And remember, stay spooky. <laughs> Ha 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 